So Romans chapter, did you get it all figured out back there? Well, just use this mic, all right? Just use this one, all right? So Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So notice that last part there. He wants us to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And that is what we've been talking about in the last several weeks, how it is our responsibility as a church to figure some things out. It's our responsibility to be able to come together. God expects us to be able to come together and to decide on something, to make decisions on things. And you know what? He expects us to get it right, too. He's given us enough things in his word. There's enough principles in his word that when it comes to the difficult things in life, we ought to be able to figure out what to do. Because once again, the Bible does not have everything spelled out. There's not, it, this isn't just a book that lists rules for everything we could ever need. Okay? It's not there. But there should be enough principles that we can find in the Word of God that whenever something comes up and there is a question, is this good? Is this something that's acceptable? We ought to be able to figure that out. We ought to be able to prove that as a church. And so... What I want to talk about tonight, and this week, I, I, no matter what, even if somebody gives me a great idea, we're ending the series about decent, doing things decently in order after this one. I'm ready to move on to something else, but I thought this was a good one. I'm, I'm really going to try to cram two subjects into one tonight. I probably should have done two different ones, but I went back and I preached a message. Uh, it was a while back. I did, some, I did a series on standards, and I did a sermon on music standards and I did a stand, uh, sermon on dress standards. And they were both, I was looking back at my notes, and I was like, yeah, this was good stuff. If somebody needs the specifics, they can go back and find those messages on YouTube on dress standards and music standards, okay? So uh, I'm not going to really spend a whole lot of time getting into the specifics on those things, but I am going to talk about standards tonight in general, but I'm going to mainly focus on music and dress standards. Why? Because those are some of the most controversial ones, aren't they? Those are the ones that everybody gets upset about and offended by. You know, nobody wants to hear about dress standards. Nobody wants to hear a preacher get up and tell them what they're wearing is wrong and that they shouldn't do it. And I don't know if people get more mad about dress standards or music standards. You get on somebody's music today, boy, I mean, that, it's war. And churches split over that kind of stuff all the time. People love their music that they have, and they don't like it when you say anything against it. But you know what? We do need to have some standards and as as a church we need to have standards as um you know as a family as an individual we need to have standards in these things so how are we going to figure out how are we going to figure all this out because you know there's a lot of variables in there there's a lot of things that are involved in this subject it's something it does it makes people uncomfortable in baptist churches today they don't like to hear that word and most pe reasons that I believe people don't like this subject is just because they're carnal. When you start talking about standards, you're talking about limiting something. Okay? And why do we even need to limit something? Because our flesh wants things that it shouldn't have. Why is it that you have to count your calories when you're on a diet? Be why, why don't you just eat until you're satisfied? Well, because if we eat until we're satisfied, we're going to be gaining a lot of weight, aren't we? So we've got to have some kind of standard. You've got to say, I'm not going to go over this many calories. And then you've got to make sure you stick to that. And the truth is, if we just naturally go with what we want to do when it comes to our music, when it comes to how we dress, we're going to get out of line real fast because we're carnal. And so we just got to understand we're carnal and we're not supposed to be carnal. We're supposed to be spiritual. So we're going to judge some things and we're going to put some limits on ourselves. And so there's, but you know, the truth is there are some legitimate reasons people don't like the subject. Some pastors in churches, they have gone too far, not in what their standards were, but in how they have enforced those standards. They have taken it too far. And I, do, I, I think we can get out of line in a church when a pastor is, you know, wanting to go through everybody's wardrobe and, you know, you got to approve everything to the pastor you're going to wear. You know, first off, I don't want to go through anybody's wardrobe, you know. I don't want people bringing me, you know, I hope my preaching helps you enough 
that I teach you enough that you are capable of looking at an outfit and judging, is this appropriate? I hope you don't have to come to me and make me show you. I hope I'm able to teach you enough tonight. You know, and, and from if you go back and listen to my other sermons on music standards, that I don't have, you don't have to come and bring your music to me, and I have to listen to it and make sure it's okay. And I know churches that have done that before, where they'll teach you, you know, they'll have the music director in the church, and people will bring things to him, and he'll listen to it, and he'll declare it, you know, sanctified or whatever, and, you know, and if he doesn't okay it, they're not going to have it. And that's pretty sad if you need that. But we, we ought to be able to figure these things out. On our own. So what you know? What is the definition of a standard? Okay. And it, now pay attention to this because the trendies hate standards. They hate that word standard. They don't want to hear about standards. And it's funny when you listen to them bring up some of their objections to standards that they try to like enlighten everybody on, and it's just like duh. You know, they and, and let me show you. So here's the definition: that which is established by sovereign power as a rule or measure by which others are to be adjusted. Or that which is established as a rule or model by the authority of public opinion or by respectable opinions or by custom or general consent as writings which are admitted to be the standard of style and taste. All right. So right there we see uh, the definition of standards. And you know what one of the main criticisms of standards that people have? This is one of the main criticisms when people bring up standards. You know what they'll say? They're man-made. And my response to that is, well, duh. That is a standard by definition. All standards are man-made. That is absolutely true. The trendies are right in that area that standards are man-made. I will concede that. In fact, I, I, am, I, am, I, I completely agree. But here's the mistake that many of the old IFB has made. And, you know, and you know, new IFB probably does this sometimes, too. It, a lot of people do this. They make the mistake of trying to convince people that their standards are written in the scriptures. Okay? Now, you've got to be careful with that. That is also wrong. Okay? The standards that are in IFB churches, they're not necessarily all Bible commands with clear scriptures to prove them. Okay? And, and you're going to look like a moron if you try to get up and say, you know what, I, I figured out how to prove from the scriptures that the Apostle Paul wore a suit and tie to church. No, you can't. Uh, you you can't you can't prove that, you know. I guarantee you, Apostle Paul, you know, he wasn't wearing them skinny jeans and pink shirts in church. You know, he wore a suit and a tie and cowboy boots, and you know, he didn't wear that either. Okay, now I, I, I know he wouldn't wear skinny jeans, all right. But at the same time, we don't know for sure what he wore. We don't we don't know that we don't know that for sure. And it's like you know I, I can tell you right now you know I mark it down you know Mary she wore you know jean skirts and you know whatever women are supposed to wear. No, no she didn't. We don't know exactly what she wore. Well you know if Jesus walked the earth today you know he he dressed like I do. Well I I actually think he probably would. I, I actually do think that. But I can't I can't show you a Bible verse. That says this is what he did. You know, I, I, I can't do that. You know, Lee Robertson, I think he tried to preach Jesus wore a double breasted suit. No, I mean, he didn't go that far, but that was like his thing. You know, he wore those things in style, out of style throughout the decades. That was that was his thing. But, uh, you know, so that that's wrong, you know. And so here's the thing about standards. They are man-made and that's OK. They're supposed to be. They are, we are, and we as a church and as families, we are supposed to judge what is going on in the world, and we've got to figure out what is right and wrong. We've got to, when things pop up, all right, whenever the new style comes out, whenever the new clothing thing, whenever the new hairdo comes out, whatever, whether it be the Karen hairdo or whatever, you know, we've got to learn how to look at these things and to judge these things and figure out, hey, is this all right? Is this appropriate? We, we ought to be able to do that because, once again, these things aren't all spelled out in the Bible. The Bible if, if, if the Bible would have spelled out every little thing for, that, for every little situation throughout time, the Bible, we wouldn't be able to carry a Bible to church. We'd have to bring it in on a truck. That's what we'd have to do. But the, but the Bible does have what we need to help us judge righteously when it comes to these things. And so, because do we really think that being conformed to the world today, 
As we look at Romans 12, Tommy, Stephen, get rid of this echo a little bit. Turn it down a little bit. Do we really think that being conformed to the world today looks like it did in Paul's day? Because it was the Apostle Paul that said, and be not, being not conformed, be not conformed to this world. Now, what did that look like in his day? We don't know, do we? But what does it look like today? We know what it looks like today. At least we should. Unless you're a liberal Christian, they can't ever figure anything out. You know? But we ought to be able to figure that out. But I promise you, it didn't look like it did in Paul's day. So what I want to do in this message is talk about how to judge what is acceptable today. You know, how do we prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? How can we come up with the right standards as things change throughout society and throughout time? And even in, in, when it comes to music, too, my dad has a Bible that's from the 1600s. It's, it's an original Bible from the 1600s. And he was reading some stuff in there before it gets to the actual scriptures. And it had a whole thing in there that, and I don't remember all the details of it, that was ripping on the world's music. And ripping on Christians in the 1600s. What could they have been ripping on? <laughs> in the 1600s. Okay? But here, I'll tell you what it was. Because you say, well, you know, that was like the Baroque period of music. You know, that was like, wasn't that like Beethoven, Mozart, and all that kind of stuff? I mean, how, that's good stuff, right? But here's, here's the thing. Every time era has had that which was worldly, that which was used for sinful things. You know, during that time, that, you know, there was that, some of that music was probably used during the dances and things that they did. And there was often drinking associated with dancing and stuff. And because it was associated with that which is worldly, they ripped on that music. So now when we sing Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, if we had somebody from the 1600s that came in here, they'd probably get offended. Man, you know, worldly music. But... Is Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee a bad song? Is it associated with the world today? You know, is it you know, associated with dance? You know, can you imagine if they played Beethoven at the high school dance today? Teenagers would walk out of there, wouldn't it? That is not what our world is doing today. So you see how some of these things change. But here's one thing that never changes. The principle still is the same. We should never be conformed to the world. We're not supposed to be doing what the world is doing. So few things to, to look at. You know, so first off, while we can learn from other good examples, okay, because a standard, too, it's like a rule that we follow off of, okay? So, like, there is, a, there is a perfect foot that's out there somewhere. I don't know if it's in, you know, someplace, you know, is the original, I guess you could say, or the standard foot of length that all others are measured off of, Right? You know, there, there's this, the perfect standard of weight, the perfect pound. Because you know what? Think about this, too. These trendies that talk about standards being man-made. Well, you know what? Who came up with 16 ounces being a pound? You know who came up with that? Man did. Well, who came up with the ounce? Man did. Somebody, some people got together and they said, we're going to figure out units of measurement. And they came up with these things. And then they set a standard somewhere. That way we can be consistent in what we do. If we all have our own opinion of what a foot is, what's going to happen if we start working on a building together? We can all be reading the same blueprints, but if we all have our own opinion of what a foot is, like our foot, okay, you know, Brother Hugo's working on this wall, you know, Brother Aaron's working on that wall, and they've both, they've both got their own standard of a foot, do we think those things are going to end up being the same length? No. So you have to have a standard. Y'all get that? And it's one that we have to come together and decide on and agree on and set that. And that's important. And you know, it's like, you know, the, the Goliath, he was six cubits in a span. Well, how long is a cubit? You know, they always say, you know, that's a point from the elbow to the fingertip. Well, whose elbow and fingertip? You know? They say, well, it's about 18 inches. Well, according to whose inch? You know, do we know that they had the same inches that we do today? You know, we don't know for sure. So I'm not going to get up here and just dogmatically tell you that Goliath was whatever that height would be according to today's standard. I don't know for sure. So, so, but you all get, though, how, is, how when it comes to these standards, it is something that man figures out, they come up with, they decide on, and it helps. It's necessary. It's needed. So one thing that we ought to do when it comes to figuring out what we should do on standard, when it comes to our standards, when it comes to music, when it comes to uh, how we dress, we ought to measure off those who have 
prove themselves and those who are doing things right. Okay? That's, that's what we all, it's okay for us to learn from other good examples. Okay? How are the godly people dressing today? What does it, what does, so when it comes to like how I dress as a pastor when I'm in church, you know who I'm going to dress like? I'm going to dress like those who are preaching hard, who are preaching the word, who are taking strong stands, who are right on doctrine, who are conforming to the world, who are, who are sore making a difference. And you know what? People who are doing all those things, who are preaching the word and preaching it the way it's written, they're not wearing skinny jeans. All my life, the preachers that were preaching the truth, preaching, well, you know what they wore? They wore suits and ties. And let me tell you something. Whenever all the liberals are wearing suits and ties and all the fire breathers are losing the shirts and ties, or the suits and ties, I'll lose the suit and tie then. Because I'm not going to want to be associated with the liberals. And so because the liberals today, they're going to the pink shirt, they're going to the metrosexual look, they're going, I'm not going off that. I'm going to look like the people that are preaching the truth and that are doing things the right way. Those who are setting an example, I'm going to let that be the standard. I want, because I want to be like those who are doing the right thing. And why is it? Why is it that every church that lets their dress standards drop, their music always goes with it? How come, you know, it's all, you know, you never see a modestly dressed lady in a skirt singing one of these just sensual contemporary Christian songs. You know, it's always some female, you know, dressing like a tramp. They're always going to be up there in a pair of britches. Every single time. It never fails. And and we're not going to go off that. Every time the dress goes, the music goes, they usually go at the same time. And then, you know, when the music and the dress go, the King James Bible always seems to go too. And, and you know why I can't show you in the Bible a verse that says my, you know, this suit and tie is the way it ought to dress, that our music is the way it ought to be played. I can't show you that, but I can show you every church that loses the traditional clothing, that loses the traditional music, always loses their King James Bible for some reason. I, I don't think that's a coincidence. It, it, it just, it doesn't happen. So I'm looking, I'm seeing, and I've been watching my whole life, the churches that are dressing conservatively, that have conservative music, they tend to be the ones that are letting it rip when they preach. They seem to be the ones that have their doctrine straight. They seem to be the ones that are getting the job done, that are influencing the world instead of letting the world influence them. So we're going to go off of that kind of thing. And you do, you show me... The crowd that's dressing down in church, that's preaching harder, that's preaching better, that's preaching more clear than what we are, and I'll start dressing down. But until then, I don't want to look like the crowd that's dressing down. I don't want to be associated with that. I don't want anybody to walk into this church and even think that that's what they're about to get into. I want people to walk into this church, and I want them just automatically, I know what I'm getting into. I want them to have it figured out. Right away, I want it to be crystal clear just by the way we dress, just as they hear the piano music playing as they come in. Folks, you can tell. You can tell. You can look at the decorations of a church, and you can tell what the music's going to sound like. You can. You can look at the decorations in a church. I could walk into a church with nobody there, and just with the lights on, I could tell you what kind of music they're going to have based on the color of their lighting. And if they have purple lights in their church, they're not going to be doing the hymns that we're doing. They're going to be doing 7-Elevens. I can look at the decorations in the church and I can tell you what the women are going to be wearing on the stage. Why? Because we're all conformed to something. And when you're conformed to the world, today it looks a certain way. Today it's purple lights. It's women singing on the platform in tight pants. It's a bunch of dressed down, queer looking, skinny jeans pastors. That's exactly what it looks like. But you know what? In churches that are preaching the truth, this is how they look. And I want to be associated with that. So that's the standard. Well, you know, who gets to decide? You know, you know what if we decide that we want to, we want to, you know, I want to change the look. You know, the, the truth is, I don't want to change the look. I don't want, I want people to know what they're getting into when they walk in here. So if I invent some new type of clothing, some new type of style, and I'm like, all right, 
I'm going to be the hardest preacher. I'm going to be all this. I'm going to be all that. But I want to change it. You know, I'm going to start wearing. I don't even know. I've got no sense of style. All right? I've been I've been wearing the same clothes for so long. I can't even tell you. But you know, if I just make up my own thing, all right? I like try looking like Jetsons. All right, you know the Jetsons. You know, like futuristic. All right, is that a sin to look futuristic? You know, to wear like shiny looking asbestos type stuff that looks like a spacesuit or whatever. Is that a sin to do something like that? You know, it's probably a little bit weird. But you know what? What if that's how we dress, and then that you know that gets associated with just the hard preaching, the soul winning. You know, then eventually that'd probably be the way to go. Right now, it just makes us look like a freak show. But, but, you know, but you all see what I'm saying? The way you dress associates you with something. You can just you can tell certain things about people. We were at Tanner's the other day. I saw all those apostolic people. How did I know they were apostolic? By how they were dressed. You know, you can spot the Baptist people by how they're dressed. He talked about going to Crown Point and going to Chick Fil A and seeing most of the workers in there wearing skirts. You know, prior Hiles Anderson, you know, students that was that were working in there. You can just you can you can tell by these things, and then, and so how you dress it does it associates you with stuff, and so we're gonna we're gonna follow those things, and it's okay for you to do that. If you are a new believer, it's okay for you when you come into a church to look around and well, this, I guess this is what Christians dress like, and and to conform to that. That's okay. For you to do that, and they don't have to show you a thou shalt wear, you know, knee-length skirts. You know, they don't have to show you that. Okay? It's, just, it's just what we do. But, you know, here's the problem, though. On the other end, sometimes those who are insecure in their standards often go over the top with their standards. And they are always the first to condemn everyone whose standards are not identical to them. All right. Look at Romans chapter 14. I've got a lot of stuff I want to cover now. I'm, I'm, I'm probably not going to get through all this. But it says, says, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. That he that eateth not to the Lord, that he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. Not how you see things is not always how everyone else sees things. You all understand that? And so while I can't necessarily get up here and tell you if a man does not wear a tie behind the pulpit, he is in sin. I can't necessarily say that because, you know, what about in some countries where nobody wears ties? You know, not all cultures are the same. You know, what the world looks like, you know, in the Philippines might be different than what it looks like in the United States. Or in China might be different than what it looks like. In the United States, there are so many things that you have to factor in. And what happens, and this has happened for years in the IFB world, is preachers, in trying to get their congregation not to be conformed to the world, they will, you know, preach a standard or whatever, but then they just declare it like a violation of a Bible command to not do those things. And then it often just ends up making them look incredible, you know, like. They don't know what they're talking about because, you know, so people bring up, what about in other countries? Well, you know, we got first thing we got to do when we get over in Africa is we got to get them natives, you know, dressing like Americans. Right. Well, you know, obviously if we want them wearing clothes and things like that. But, you know, at the same time, some places, you know, where are you going to buy a suit in the Congo? You know, I mean, where, you know, where are they going to go for a lot of these things? There's there's a lot of stuff that you have to do. And what ends up happening a lot of times, once again, insecure people, they just come up with these real high over the top standards. And then they just want to force them on everybody. And everybody that doesn't do them is just bad and they're evil and they're wicked. And that's just not right. OK, people need to be fully persuaded in their own mind. OK, if you're convinced that ankle length skirts are what are necessary on ladies, then you know what? Have your wife and your daughters wear ankle-length skirts. But you know what? Just because you are convinced of that doesn't mean everyone else is convinced of that. 
Well, I, you know, I, I'm sorry, but you know, when I see a woman's ankles, you know, it makes me think lustful thoughts. You know, and it's like, well, you know, not everybody thinks that way. Okay, you know, a lot of people they can keep their mind pure while seeing a woman's ankles. So, you know, how about you go find another church? You know, and stay, stay out of here. You know, that that's just weird. Okay, you know, not everybody sees things the way that you do. So it's not always just this super cut and dry thing. And it's the same thing with music, too. And, you know, uh, so, for example, I, anybody know who the Lindsay brothers are? The Lindsay brothers, all right? They're, they're camp meeting guys, okay? Now, the Lindsay brothers, they are so backwoods, southern, and I would do an imitation right now of how they sing, and I, and it would, but my throat would start bleeding if I did. The one guy, man, he gets up and he yells these songs. But I'm going to tell you right now, I like it. All right? I, I like when these guys sing. Uh, I enjoy it. But you know what? They're from Kentucky, I think. Okay? Do I really expect some guys from the, you know, the backwoods of Kentucky to sing like Pavarotti? Absolutely not. You know what? I think it would be inappropriate for them to try. That is not who they are. That is not where they're from. And I enjoy watching these guys sing because they just look like they're genuine and they love the Lord. And it's enjoyable watching him just get all red faces. He's just, you know, speck a bird is I am. You know, it's, it's, I like watching it. I enjoy every bit of it. But at the same time, you know, there's some people, ah, you know, that's country. These guys are, you know, these guys are conformed to the world, their country. No, they're just from Kentucky. Okay? And, you know, you could do the same thing. You've got these opera people. Oh, well, you know, they're conformed to the world because they're going off of opera. And, you know, opera singers are homos. And all. You know, sometimes just what we grew up around is just is what we do. Do we really know what David's music sounded like? No, we don't. And so the, the truth is, you know, when it comes to what people think and, you know, what music does, it's going to be different for different people from different cultures. And... If I went down to Kentucky and sang some of the opera music that's in other churches, you know, they'd, they'd fall asleep and probably throw me out. And what, you know, they wouldn't like it. You know, but if we, if we brought some of the redneck music up here and sang it here, you, know, you all would probably be pretty off-put by it. But is, is, it's like everybody thinks that certain music just automatic sin everywhere. No, we have to judge these things. And you know, the truth is, if you are just super country, you're super southern, you're super nasally, you know, your voice is sliding all over the place, and you're singing here, here in Illinois, it's because of one of two things. Either you're from the south, or you've been listening to country music. Okay? That not, might not necessarily be the case down there. If you are from West Virginia, if you are from the hills of West Virginia, you know, they're going to be singing you know, amazing grace. How sweet. Sound. Yeah, they, do that, they, they do that in West Virginia all the time. That's just what they do in West Virginia. Okay? Now, if you do that, that's just weird. Okay? You're, you're copying off of somebody. I'm not going to slam somebody who's doing the little thing in West Virginia. I'm not going to do that. I think, I think that's fine. We had a guy in my dad's church, went to be the Lord Brother Robert. He was from West Virginia, and that's what he did when he sang. Hey, what well, was he being influenced? He's from West Virginia. He was a coal miner from West Virginia, and that's what they did in that area. And, you know, there's always going to be some northern snobby person who's like, oh, I don't like that country stuff. You know, oh, that country. He wasn't influenced. You know, you're more influenced by the world than he was. That's just what they grew up with. And, you know, there, there's going to be some of our culture that we're surrounded by. It's going to come out in our music. But what we have to do as a family, what we have to do as a church, we've got to figure out, hey, what's, what's the world pushing right now? And we need to stay away from it. You know what they're pushing now? They're pushing the sensual stuff around. You know, they got the crazy rock beats and things. And we're, we're just we're going to stay away from that stuff. And, you know, we have a stand here. You know, we're not going to get a drum set up in this platform. Okay. Now, are drums sinful? No. Drums can be used and played in an appropriate way that can add a great deal to music. However, I bet when I most churches, if you go to and they have a drum set, you know, you probably want to walk out of that church most of the time. Now, I've been, I was at a church one time. They had an electric drum set up on the platform, and I went in there and I was like, oh boy. And I'm going to tell you, it it was fine. It was completely appropriate. 
I mean, they were just kind of to help with the rhythm, keep all the other. It, it, I mean, I didn't get a rocky feeling. All the songs were hymns. Now, it was like a conference they were having with a lot of other pastors. Or what they do on a normal Sunday, I have no idea. But at the same time, you know, we're going to set a standard and we're going to keep it, the music, the instruments here, we're going to keep them all, you know, acoustic type instruments. We're not doing the electric stuff. You know, we're not doing the drums because that, that's just the standard that we have. But it doesn't mean if somebody's is a little bit different that they are in sin. Y'all understand that? But that's what some people think. Oh, yeah, I, I heard drums in that music. Well, okay, you heard drums. And, you know, some of the music I listen to has some drums in it. And that's fine. But in church, you know, sometimes you have to stand a little higher because, and here's the other thing too, not, you know, worship is not the only thing that music is meant for. Right? If I, you know, it's okay. There's some music that's just entertaining. That's enjoyable. That does not appeal to the sinful lust of the flesh. There, there, there's, there's some that's just, it's enjoyable. It's impressive. You know, I like to hear a good orchestra play. Uh, some of them people in the orchestra, they might be homos. I hope not, but, you know, at the same time, I'm just listening to the music. You know? Uh, you we, we, you got to figure, you know, if you're just listening to a CD of an orchestra and there's a homo playing in it, you're probably not going to be defiled if the music's all right. You know, now... Don't get all, you know, now some people get all caught up in the music they listen to and who's putting the music out. you got to watch that stuff. Yeah, I've heard some of these groups that are out there. Uh, I remember, the, you, know, the, uh, you know, I like some of the acapella music. They're that pentatonics group or whatever. And I listened to one of their songs. And it was really, I should, probably shouldn't have mentioned them now. I'm going to give them advertisement. But it was really cool. I'm just going to admit it. That song sounded really cool. I just listened to it first, but then I watched them and I was like, ugh. <laughs> And then I found out that, like, at least one of them is a homo. I'm like, you know. And the thing is, you do, you got to be careful because while the, some of the music I heard was appropriate, the music was not sinful, you do some, as a family, and, a, you know, you want to draw a line and say, all right, we're not going to listen to these people because people are musicians and singers influence young people greatly. And so I am not going to let, you know, let my kids be listening to this group and getting all interested in a group that's got a stinking queer in there. I don't want them liking that queer. I don't want them seeing them somewhere and getting excited. I want my kids to vomit when they see homos. I don't want them to get excited about it. But if we're letting them listen to that stuff, that's how they're, that's how they're getting in. That's how people are accepting that stuff. So we've got to set some standards on that thing. You know, we've, we've got to judge these things. And so you know what? I have judged in our family that group's... Music inappropriate. Even though it sounds, some of it sounds pretty cool. I'll admit it right now. You know, some of the Disney music they put out is pretty cool. All right, and you know what? Even some of the Rocky stuff that they put out is kind of cool too. I'm, I'm sorry, I the tiger get you fired up, and you just want to go run and box somebody. Okay, <laughs> maybe that's just the Rocky influence and stuff like that. But and, and you know, and and, th- and this is why too, you need to make sure you're listening to good stuff uh, when you're at home because of the fact too, you know. You, we do get accustomed to hearing certain things. And I'm very thankful because I grew up in a home where we were not allowed to listen to any of that trash. I still hate worldly music. I mean, my flesh does not enjoy worldly music. Where I work, they play trash over the speakers, and I hate it. I have never gotten used to it. I hate it. I despise it. There's literally, in all the years I've worked there, there's been maybe two or three songs that I've got to admit kind of like that one <laughs> yeah. but that's about it and sometimes you know that song is kind of enjoyable but at the, at the same time if you start listening to that all the time you will get accustomed to that and you will start liking that so don't do it don't do it i am very thankful that i am repulsed by the world's music i am repulsed by rap music and rock music and country music i hate it I hate all of it. At work, the music they complain about the most, too, is, is the Mexican hour when it's all the Spanish music. And it's annoying. But you know what? It's the best music they play in the place. I'm not kidding. It, the, it, it's like the best hour of music they play in the place because at least it's not just this rocky trash. And so I, you know, I, I, I personally, I, I don't like it, but I like it better than the other stuff they play. It's, I, it, I, I can't stand it, but... So there's going to be variation on different things based on the culture. 
you know, that's going on. Somebody from the south side of Chicago is not going to sing like one of the Lindsay brothers. This is not going to happen. You're not going to be able to teach them to do it. You know, you think at Pastor Liddell's church, you know, we're going to be able to get those people to conform to the southern churches and Kentucky church. You think that's going to, can you imagine watching them? If the Lindsay brothers went and sang in that church, like this is the standard of singing y'all are supposed to do. Y'all, you know, here in the south side of Chicago, better start singing like that. You're like, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it ain't, it ain't going to happen. It's like, they're not, they're not, gonna, they're not going to do that at all. But boy, would, now we, those of you that were there when the choir sang that night, right? I'm telling you right now, I, I was not uncomfortable. I didn't think it was inappropriate. I enjoyed it. But you know what? We're not doing it here. All right, it, it, we're not, we're not doing that here. That is not who we are. That is not where we are. And, but, it, you know, their cultural things do affect some of that. So, you know, we shouldn't accuse someone from the South when they sing with a little bit of a twang of being conformed to Garth Brooks or whoever the country singer is today. And we shouldn't accuse somebody who sings a little operatic of being confirmed to some homo that's an opera singer. We don't need to do that. Okay? Some of our culture is going to rub off on us. You ought to just be who you are. And if you are a redneck from North Carolina, I expect you to sing with a twang. But if you are from Illinois, do not bring the twang. Do not bring the, you know, all, you know, don't do all that stuff. All right, that would be very off-putting. And so we have, you know, we have to admit, judging standards can be hard. It can be a difficult thing. And so we know for sure we're not supposed to be conformed to the world. We know for sure the Bible says, "Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world." If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If we see all the world going ape over a certain type of music, over a certain type of clothing, we shouldn't be for it. That shouldn't be what we're doing. So we've got to make sure, you know, we've got to understand, while what the world looks like changes throughout time, certain things don't change, and they're always easy to identify. It's always easy to identify. You can go, I can show you pictures of people, and you can figure out what decade they're from. We've all seen, yep, that's 70, that's 60s. You can tell. Why? Because they're just, they're, you know, they're conformed to the world. And, you know, and, and some of that, and not, but not all of it's bad. You know, not everything that they do is bad, but we've got to learn how to figure these things out. Because here's what, here's something that never changes. What the world looks like always appeals to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Every time. Just mark it down. Is this about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life? And it always is. The lack of clothing that you see in the world today. What's that all about? The lust of the eyes. You know what else it's about? It's about the pride of life. Look at how I look. Should we be about that? Should that be what we're doing? Absolutely not. We're not supposed to be that way. The Bible's clear on that. Modest apparel today, too, is not going to look exactly like it did in the days of Paul. Look what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9. It says, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and obriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but that which becometh women professing godliness with good works. So what does this look like? Okay, We don't have a picture somewhere that we can use for a perfect standard of what Sarah wore. Back in Abraham's day. We don't have that. We don't have a picture somewhere that shows us what Mary wore to use as a standard. So how do we figure these things out? Okay. Once again, we look at, you know, we're supposed, right here it tells us modest apparel. What does that look like? Well, I believe it's obviously something that covers, but something that's not meant to draw attention in a sinful way to someone. And also something that doesn't associate you with something that's evil. Because notice what it says here, too. Not with broided hair. Okay. Now, what is, what is broided hair? I'm not 100% sure what broided hair is. I've heard some people say that's braided hair. Okay. Let's just give it to you. Let's say it says right here, no braided hair. All right. Anybody got braided hair in here tonight? Uh, my wife. Oh, boy. Oh, I can't. Kayla back there has braided hair, right? Is the Bible saying we can't have braided hair? Well, here's, here's the thing. Even if that is talking about braided hair, it's okay to say, well, why is braided hair wrong? Okay. Why would that even be a problem? Now, I don't know. We don't know. 
The Bible does not tell us on these things. But let's just, here's what we do know. Conformity to the world was bad. Being associated with that which is wicked was bad. What if, let's just suppose, all right, Diana of Ephesus, all right, the, fall, the false goddess. What if that statue of her had her in braided hair? And what if during that time, women who believed in that, you know, who worshipped her, would braid their hair like the image? Okay? Would it have been a sin during that time to braid your hair? Yes. Now, I'm not saying that's what they did, but at the same time, if, you know, throughout time there have been different things that people have done, there have been different customs that represented different things, therefore, during that time, it would be wrong to do that. And, may, and I think personally what it's talking about is, this, you know, it mentions embroidered hair, it mentions the golden jewels, and it's just talking about just kind of blinging yourself out, you know, just trying to show great riches, just, I mean, just trying to show off. Listen, ladies, there's nothing wrong with you making your hair look nice. That long hair, it is a glory to you, the Bible says. So, you know what, you're not spiritual when you don't, when you look like you haven't brushed your hair in a month or washed it in a year. And you, know, you look like you just crawled out of bed. You're not spiritual because of that. It's okay for you to fix it up and make it look nice and braids look pretty. But at the same time, you know, I don't see how in any way, shape, or form that associates you with anything bad today. Well, Greta, that Greta girl, she had the pigtails, didn't she? You know? And then you, did you see all the pictures of all this, the dictators with little blonde girls and pigtails? Maybe it is wicked. You know, maybe it is. No, but... But, you know, I, I don't see how that associates anything. I don't see how it draws attention in a sensual way. I don't see how it associates with anything bad. And so right here, you know, you have to look at what he's saying here. He's trying, you know, trying to teach to be modest. And what does he do? He gives examples. Why? He's probably dealing with the things people were doing in that day to try to, dry to draw attention to themselves in a bad way. Now, I've not seen women... You know, weaving jewels and things through their hair today. I've not seen that. I haven't seen anybody in town do that type of thing. But I do see them doing other weird things today that associate with bad. I've seen women shaving the sides of their hair. Shaving the sides of their head. That, that's just disgusting. I see that type of junk going on. And so that, that's, you know, it's okay for us to judge and look at that and to say, you know, this. That, you know, the ladies are doing some heritage. It's not associated with anything bad. It's not, you know, immodest. It's not something that uh, is sensual. We can, we should be able to figure that out. And so, uh, you know, things, but these things are going to change throughout time. If one of the famous singers that are out there, you know, if Taylor Swift, if she goes and starts doing a beehive hairdo, you know, then I would say it's a sin if your daughter's doing a beehive hairdo. She's doing that to be conformed to Taylor Swift. Now, if she does it before that, you know, I, I think it's ugly, but, you know, it's not a sin. Okay. Y'all see, see where I'm going with this? It's what it associates with. That's important. That's the principle. That's the thing that does not change. We are never supposed to be conformed to the world, but what that looks like is going to change throughout time. What that music sounds like is going to change throughout, throughout time. I don't think for five seconds that our music sounds exactly the same way the music that Jesus sang. What did the hymn sound like that Jesus sang with his disciples at the Last Supper? I have no idea. I, I really don't. But at the same time, you know, when it comes to our music, I'm not hearing our music in the bars. I'm not hearing our music playing in the, in the malls. I'm not seeing people that are, uh, you know, doing the worldly stuff. I'm not seeing the churches that are preaching the trash using our music and our style of music. And I'm definitely not seeing in any way how our music is appealing to the flesh in a negative way. And I can definitely see how our music does appeal more to the spirit and how it does put me in a more spiritual mood. And judging what's going on here with what we have, I think we're doing good. And I think we've got it right. And I think God is pleased. And so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna watch this stuff. So, you know, we need to do our best to be different from the world. But we don't want to be different, just weird. And, and, and I'm all out of time. I've still got like three more points. Let me just briefly read over this because I'm ready to move on to this stuff. I think you all got the point. But we should do our best to be different from the world. And some things are not okay just because the world does it. 
Remember what Jesus said about the vain repetitions and the prayer? Why did he say it was wrong? That's what the heathen do. Don't do vain repetition like the heathen. Don't do things like they're doing. Okay? If, if everybody in the world starts doing things a certain way, then you know, we, need to, we need to stay away from that. We don't need to get caught up in every little fad that everyone's doing. If, every, if, if all of the men in the world start wearing their pants like Steve Urkel, up way above their waist and showing their ankles, is that a sin? No. Is it a sin for guys to show their ankles and their pants? All right, or to wear their, you know, their belt line above their belly button. Is that is that a sin? No, it's not a sin. But you know what? If the rest of the world starts doing it, I'm not going to do it. I plan on wearing my pants the same level I've worn my whole life. And I, when it was cool to, you know, sag your britches, I wasn't doing it. I was wearing pants that fit. Now that it's cool to wear britches that are so tight, you know, that just disgusting. I don't, even, I don't even know what to compare it to. You know, women too. You know, you see these pants they wear, they're so tight they have these little jewel things all over. I'm just waiting for those things to start shooting off and shoot my eye out or something. It's disgusting. You know, they wear that work and they, they, they bend over and I get scared. I'm thinking, all right, I'm, I'm going to die from this. That's how tight those pants are. It's absolutely disgusting. You know, I, I don't need a Bible to figure out if that's appropriate or not. That's, that is not right. If it looks like they painted your pants on, there's something wrong with that. Okay. So, you know, some things we should let be tested by time before we embrace them. Because okay. there there's things that, you know, at one time were new. You know, a lot of the songs in our hymn book, Heaven Came Down and Glory Filled My Soul, uh, uh, there, there's several of them. It was written by John W. Peterson. You know, he was known as the father of contemporary Christian music. That's what he was known as. And a lot of his music was trash. And he helped kind of lead a bad direction. But you know what? Some of his music was fine. It stood the test of time. It's still around. Guys like Bill Gaither, he wrote some good songs back in his early day. Later, he, you know, he got pretty crazy liberal and has got some, he's got plenty of trash. But you know what? There's some songs that have stood the test of time I think are okay. Martin Luther, okay, who hated Baptists. Who persecuted Baptists? He wrote a mighty fortress of their God. That's also in our hymn book. And you know, if you want to just get crazy strict about who wrote all the music, we're not going to have too many hymns in our hymn book. That's all there is to it. Especially in our crowd, that's you know pretty much thrown everybody in hell and labeled everybody a reprobate. I imagine, I imagine most of the you know John R. Rice wasn't always King James, and we got a lot of his songs in our hymn book too. We're going to have to tear all his out too. Soul-stirring songs and hymns that was put out by John R. Rice, who was a King James only. So we had to throw up. You know, and there's some people out there. I mean, they're just, they're so over the top. They're so insecure. They are. They're just going to declare soul-stirring songs and hymns the only songs that are allowed to be sung in church. Wrong. There's a lot more songs that are fine that we're going to sing in church. You know, if somebody if somebody writes a new song, we're going to sing it too if it's a good song, if it's appropriate, if it's not conformed to the world. If it's got a good biblical message. And, you know, and we are, we're going to do our best to try to avoid, you know, singing songs from heretics. And, you know, we want to do our best with that stuff. But there are going to be some things that are going to stick. They're going to stand the test of time. And while they might not necessarily be appropriate, or while we probably shouldn't embrace it yet, you know, let's let it stand the test of time. And maybe down the road we will sing it because it's, it's proven to be okay, they've proven to be okay. And so we need to understand who we listen to, what we listen to, it will influence us. And some people's music may not be bad itself, but they are a bad influence. And you've got to ask yourself about the influence of these things. Martin Luther's music may be good, but, you know, Martin Luther's not an influence today, is he? Martin Luther, you know, so if we sing his song, I'm not, I don't think too many people are going to go follow after Martin Luther. He's not really an influence today. You know, not all of West Coast Baptist College's music is bad, but West Coast Baptist College's influence is very bad today. They, uh, they are, their influence is very negative, and while a lot of their music is good and I enjoy it, they're bringing in the trash, and they are a powerful influence in Baptist churches today. And so if somebody's like, you know what, I don't want to have anything to do with their music, I can see. I can definitely see why. I think I probably agree with you on that. 
And, you know, and I'm saying that as someone who's listened to a lot of their music over the years. But, you know, about four or five years ago, I started thinking, you know, in fact, it was actually before that, when I led the choir, we, I listened to their music. And then I remember I would go try to find that music online so our choir could sing it. And then I started looking and finding where this music was coming from. I'm like, what? And it was making me mad because I would, like, fall in love with these songs and then find out they were put out by these trash companies and things. And I'm like, I really don't want to introduce this song to our teenagers because then they're going to hear it. They're going to go search for it on iTunes. They're going to find the contemporary group and put it out. And they're going to download the whole album. And while they might have one song that's okay, they're going to listen to nine other songs that are trash. And West Coast was helping bring a lot of that in. That's been going on for a long time. And it's just gotten out of control. It, it's really bad now. And so we've got to judge in our church and our family whether or not we can handle certain influences in our life. And the area of standards, it's not an area of black and white. It's an area where we are supposed to judge. And as God's people, we should have the wisdom to make the right choices. And I don't have time to talk about this, but you know what? There are no two people that are going to come to absolute agreement on what a standard should be when it comes to music and when it comes to dress. They're not going to be exactly the same. You need to be fully persuaded in your own mind, and you need to exert your authority where you have been given authority. And outside of that, you know, you, you don't need to worry about it. If your wife's skirt's an inch higher than my wife's skirt, that's not really my problem. You know, and if your music standard is a little bit lower than mine, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean you're a liberal. If your music stands a little higher than mine, that doesn't necessarily make you a legalist. Isn't that what we want to do? Your standard's slightly less, you're a liberal. A little higher, you're a legalist. That's what everybody does. You know, and when in some of these things, you just need to mind your own business. That's all there is to it. And as a church, you know, we're going to judge things as they come. We're going to figure out what we need to do, and I believe we're going to get it right. But it is our place. Standards are man-made, and we're going to make them. That's our job. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for uh, your word and how it helps us. Help us to judge these things right. I pray, the Lord, that this message came across in the right way to help people figure out what they're supposed to do. Help us to realize we do have a responsibility, and I pray that everyone will search the scriptures to help them find the things they need to make sure that we get these things right. In your name we pray. Amen.